But Happy New Year, everyone. It's wonderful to be together. And for those who are online, Happy New Year as well. It's great to see you today. Often at the beginning of each year, we put together our goals and objectives, don't we? And we perhaps discuss the hopes and dreams that we might have for the coming year. Um, but it may also be that we weigh up the concerns we might have on our hearts, as Barbara has already touched on some of them. They may be in your hearts today. In this context, in the, the first message of the new year is unique, I think, and a place where we can lay out a platform for the year that we can build on, and importantly, where we can proclaim the good news of Jesus, the platform that we can do that from, who is the anchor for our souls and the rock upon which we stand, no matter what the year ahead may bring. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Louise has already reminded us, us <coughs> of that, as has uh, Barbara. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would work powerfully in this room and online as we listen to your word today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> God Knows, a poem written by many Louise Haskins and is known as the gate of the year, has over the years been an encouragement to many and a comfort to many in times of uncertainty, including our late queen and her father. And by the way, in case you're wondering, that's an English, Farsi, and Albanian. I wasn't sure if some of our friends would be here today. <coughs> the gate of the year, put up by, <coughs> by Minnie Louise Haskins. Next page. God knows. And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. So I went forth and finding the hand of God, trod gladly into the night. It's a beautiful poem, isn't it? So I went forth finding the hand of God and trod gladly into the night. So today, on this first day of the new year, we can give thanks to God for the past year, as we've already done, as Craig has already mentioned, for His faithfulness to us. And we look ahead into the new year. The gate of the year speaks about putting your hand into the hand of God. And Barbara, I was grateful for your reference to that. Even though the way may not be clear, we can put our hand into His hand. So what did the writer mean? It is clear, at least to me, that it speaks of putting your faith in God for every moment of the way ahead, rather than relying on anything else. But what is faith? The Bible gives many examples of people having faith, but clearly outlines what it is with the writer to Hebrews giving a very clear explanation. Hebrews 11 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. 
What is the writer telling us? Faith in God is trust in Him. It's based on a true understanding of who He is, and that is what we and that's what we have revealed in the Bible. We'll come to that shortly. Faith in God involves an intellectual assent, or it's what we come to realize in our minds that God is. And the fact that He is, and He is who He says He is, and that He will do what He says He will do, as Craig often reminds us of. We realize that in our minds. It is this faith, trust in God, that we learn and prove, and we prove that it's life-changing. The writer of Hebrews speaks of the assurance of things hoped for. This doesn't necessarily mean the material or temporal things that we may hope for, but rather the deep inner longing for identity, meaning, purpose, and certainty for the future. It is only faith in God known in the fullness of His revelation in Scripture as God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that can give that purpose and that certainty. As the children are now learning with their word searches and coloring, it is only a creator God who can deliver on his promises, as we see in the rainbow after the flood, for example. But there's another element in, the f- in faith, and that is commitment. James, who's a, an author in the Bible, he writes in his second chapter that faith does not, that does not result in action is dead faith not true faith. However, even a faith in God that motivates us to action is not enough. For faith in God to be genuine, we must accept Him as He is revealed. As He has revealed Himself in Scripture, as we've said, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all the fullness of what that means for us. And we'll spend a lifetime learning that. An eternity, as Barbara has reminded us, worshiping because of it. However, faith in God, to be genuine, as we said, must be based on the the belief that God is triune, for example, as we've been emphasizing, and His deity and the personality of the Son, Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is God, and the Holy Spirit. And so, for welcome, thinking about the platform to build this year upon, it is the proclamation of that one, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, on whom we stand, in whom our faith is built on. That is who we proclaim, and that is the platform that we can start this year from. But God is very near to us as well. He commands all men to repent and turn to Him in faith. And this is what we're still doing today. We, we, We commend that to you. Paul, in his address to the Athenians, speaks powerfully as recorded by Luke in the book of Acts. He says this, So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. This is chapter 17. And for I, for I passed along and observed the object of your worship, and I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What you therefore worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, 
since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet, what does he say? He is not far from us. Friends, have you come to know Jesus? Jesus is so close to us. He is by the Holy Spirit's power here with us now, and he's calling your name. He loves you so much. He died for you on that that cross. He gave his precious blood for you. That's how near God has come to us. Enet, praise God, which will come to an Easter. He is risen and victorious and glorified, and he's sitting, sitting at the right hand of God in heaven on high. And where is, what is he doing now? He's interceding for us. Yeah. What does that mean? It means that he's saying, your name to God. He's saying, my name. He's saying, our lives and what is to come we used to sing a hymn in our old church we can trust him for what is to come we can praise him for what is past and we can trust him for what is to come a song that i really enjoy at the moment it says i will trust my savior jesus when my darkest doubts befall trust him when sim- to simply trust him seems the hardest thing of all I will trust my Savior Jesus, trust Him when my strength is small, for I know the shield of Jesus is the safest place of all. I will trust my Savior Jesus, He has said His way is best, and I know the path He's chosen leads to everlasting rest. Jesus, only Jesus, help me trust you more and more. May my heart be ever yours. So faith is simply that, trusting God. But how do we get to know him? We learn of him in the Bible, don't we? The Holy Scriptures. Now, I got this as a gift, and I know it's but a translation of the original, but I love it. It's God's Word, and it helps me to understand it. I love it. I love the feel of it in my hands. I love the words that are on the page. I love it. So turn with me briefly to a chapter that's right in the center of the Bible. Psalm 119. And no, I'm not going to read the whole thing, I promise. (laughs) We we, we will definitely run out of time and I'll be chased out of the door. But I'm just going to read the first clause. I'm just drawing your attention to the Psalms. It's taken me a long time to learn the Psalms and learn to love them. I'm not much of a lover of poetry, 
But the, the richness that's in the Psalms is worthy of our study. So let's look at Psalm 119, the first clause. It's 176, no, the 176 verses for the whole chapter. <laughs> the clause is only eight. It, it's written in, in, in stanzas, and it's each letter of the alphabet, the, the Hebrew alphabet. So blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded our precept, your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast, keeping your statutes. Then I shall be, not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart, and I will learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. And you could go on. Every verse has something about the law, the statutes, the promises, the commandments. Every verse has, it's, it's David, we understand it's David. saintly apples. They shall find golden apples in this true Hesperides and come to reckon that this psalm, like the whole scripture, which is praises as a pearl island, or better still, a garden of sweet flowers. Look at that, a pearl island. That's what Spurgeon drew from this book, this chapter. So to help you, to, so those who may be new to the psalms, just very briefly, there's a number of different ways that God's Word is referred to. He refers to the law, the testimonies, the precepts, the statutes, the commandments, rules or judgments, Word. So these are all, they're not synonymous. They have slightly different meanings. The law, for example, these are God's instructions or universal rules and includes the law of nature. And testimonies is what God solemnly testifies His will to be. The witnesses of his promise of his people, thank you. The witness, witnesses of the promises of, to his people, like the children are learning. Precepts, what God has appointed to be done and entrusted to man to deliver. And it just goes on. So as you read just this one chapter, all 176 verses, you get this over and over and over again. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. But it's filled with the anchor of God's word expressed in the various ways, as we've just noted. So let's just spend a few moments in this first clause. <clears throat> the whole chapter is celebrating the gift of the Scriptures and its perfection as a guide for life. These first eight verses, our attention is drawn to the blessings of keeping the statutes of the Lord. And the more we dive into the Scriptures by reading and studying and meditating on them and discussing them and living by them, these amazing and living, breathing words, the Holy Scriptures, 
we will deepen in our appreciation of them, our affection for them, and our knowledge of God through them. As we continue reading the chapter, it's clear that as our love of the Scriptures grows by the Holy Spirit's power, we begin to deepen in our fellowship with God. And through this fellowship, our souls are nourished. So what do we find? So verse 1, what do we find? We find that it's, 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 it's as we obey the Scriptures, we're protected from what the, the Scriptures call defilement. We're, we're kept. We're kept in a way of blamelessness. But it's as we obey the Scriptures. Verse 2 and 3 is where we work out how we are made practically holy. He says, blessed are those who keep His testimonies and seek Him with their whole heart. So as we seek God... And then as we obey and follow Him, we're made practically holy. We're kept clean from sin. Yes, we are weak. Yes, we sin. But these are ways that we can keep ourselves steadfast. And, and, and the reason why I'm sharing this is because as we start this year, let us use the declaration and a proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the, the, the trust in God and His full revelation but the power of the Scriptures, let us use that as a platform to stand upon as we go into this year. As we build in our faith, as we share the good news, as we keep people warm from, from the environment and where they may not be able to, to pay for their bills. It's through the Scriptures that we can build in our confidence in God. Not in ourselves, but in God. You know, verse 5, the pious soul prays for it. Look, look at what it says. Verse 5. Oh, that my ways might be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Have you ever had those moments? It's like, oh, Lord, oh, if only. Why? <laughs> Why did I do such a stupid thing? Oh, my ways might be steadfast. He's asking for the Lord's help to be steadfast, constant, steady, following after Him. Verse 8, fixed in solemn resolve not to miss the blessing of the Lord. What does he say? I will keep your statutes. Oh, please. I'm, I, I really want them. Please don't miss me out on a blessing. And of course he will not. He will honor faithfulness. So these are just a few examples of the richness of the words themselves. But more importantly, it's the richness of knowing the person who's behind them. God Himself, and of course, our Lord Jesus. That's who's behind these words. So it brings us to our third question. So why, why, why does it matter? Why does it matter? So we, we, we've, we've got a, an encouragement to have faith. Fantastic. We've got the Scriptures. Excellent. We can, we can learn about God. But why is it important? Why? Touched on a little already, but... The, you know, the writer is encouraging us to step forward, trusting God, the writer of the poem that we read earlier, into an unknown way because that's better than any pre-prepared plan. That's not to say that plans aren't helpful and wise, but any pre-prepared plan that doesn't include God. Yeah. It's far better to put your trusting hand in the hand of God and go out into that unknown way. So as we step into 2023, we, we don't know what might be before us. We don't know what this year could be filled with, for good or evil, for joy or sorrow, easy or challenging. You know, last night, we, we, we were at, at a friend's house and someone got injured really badly last night. And it could be life transforming for that person. 
We'll share more as we can eventually, but you know, their life might have been transformed last night. Mm. It can happen in an instant. But what is certain is that in this increasing uncertainty of this world, in the chaos and the change, it's a world that's been given up <coughs> by God because of sin and because of the rebellion, as, as Craig often reminds us of. But we can look at a number of contrasts in the Bible. You know, Paul, in his letter to the Romans, makes, us <coughs> makes the impact of the, the choice of giving up God abundantly clear in chapter 1 and, and the effect of that. The exchange that you get in that chapter, society around us is making choices because of that. So being grounded in God's Word and having a living relationship with Him th through worship and prayer and fellowship with other believers ensures we have our eyes fixed on what brings eternal certainty and present confidence to walk in a world living contrary to God's way. There is a better story found in Jesus. Our children are faced with challenges, you know, and our young people that, that unimaginable to many of us, the uncertainty around, you know, identity and so on, and social media, how do we use that effectively? How does it influence our thinking? Cancel culture, all these sorts of things that our young people are facing. <clears throat> but being grounded in God's Word, and this is the contrast, being grounded in God's Word ensures that we can teach each other, our young people, ourselves, our elderly that our identity is in Christ. Amen. And we can teach each other that the way of life is found alone in Jesus. And it gives us confidence, as the writer to the psalm says, that all oh, my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. We can learn to be compassionate on those who are struggling with these things. You know, we're in each one of you in this room, young, older, older, you are all precious to God. Every single one of us are precious to God. No matter where you're from, no matter who you are, you are precious to God. That is why He shared His precious Son for you and for me. That is why He's given us of His Word, because He loves us so much. And, and an interesting point, remember that David... I don't know how old he was when he wrote these, but just think about the formation that there was as he was doing his training out in those fields as a shepherd. How he learned God and the richness that comes from this. So my encouragement to you is spend time in the Scriptures. Yeah. Our world is increasingly polarized, isn't it? Reason, discussion, and differences of opinion are increasingly less tolerated. In some cases, the different opinion might, uh, might bring vilification, mightn't it? You, some people have lost their jobs because they have a different opinion. Right here in this country, not very far from us. But, as, <clears throat> but without God, truth no longer has a reference point. And as the Scripture says, every man was doing what was right in their own eyes. That's what we see today. My truth prevails rather than your truth. My truth prevails over everything else. But in our Christian faith, faith the, God, the truth of God prevails over everything. You know, Christianity might be classed as, as, as foolish. <laughs> I can't think of anything more confidence-giving and certainty-providing than trusting in a God who's above 
everything. Being grounded in the Word centers us on the truth, the source of truth that is beyond ourselves in this world entirely. That is God Himself. And the truth that is eternal and not impacted by the passage of time, season, or opinion, or culture of the day. God's Word brings us into relationship with Himself through our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and life, and gives us our Holy, the Holy Spirit to live according to God's way. History is being reanalyzed, isn't it? Retold. And, and a number, in, in a number of instances, these things are rightly being discussed and baited, and they're long overdue when it comes to equality, inequality rather, justice, racism, other topics, and we're going to cover those in this year as, as God allows but these things are important to talk about. But what's really more important is that in being grounded in God's Word gives us His perspective on every single one of these topics. Jesus, and that's what I'm totally convinced about. Being grounded in God's Word brings us the living knowledge of salvation that is found alone, as I've said before, in the work of Jesus and His uh, <clears throat> finished work on the cross. It gives living color and richness to the character of God that informs His every action, including that of redemption and forgiveness to all that turn to Him in repentance. His Word gives us certainty as to eternal life that is found, again, in alo in, and alone through Lord, the Lord Jesus. Regardless of what may be going on around us, we can have absolute confidence in that all authority, all authority has been given to Jesus because of His victory over death, because of His resurrection, because of, and, and because of who He is as God. And that gives us certainty that Jesus will return in triumph to rule as King of kings and Lord of lords. <coughs> Nothing happens without His knowledge. Nothing is allowed to go beyond the bounds which He has set. He is in complete control, friends. That is what I have my hope in. And that is why I love this book, because it tells me about it. So at the beginning we shared... Minnie Louise Haskell's poem, God Knows. We were encouraged to step out into the night and put our hands into the hands of God, which is far better than a light and safer than a known way. As we look ahead into this year, I want to leave with you. Trust in God's perfect plans. Commit your life to God with all your heart. Commit to knowing God more deeply through the study of His Word, through prayer, through worship, and through fellowship. Commit yourself to reading and meditating on this wonderful book we have and share the good news of Jesus with whomever you cross your paths with. You may be called to go somewhere and do great things in another country, but you also might be called to speak to your neighbor with a coffee over the fence and share Jesus.
As the writer of the psalm says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. It's by this commitment, and of course by God's Holy Spirit within us, that we step through the gate of the year. We can tread forward confidently and gladly into the year ahead, knowing that he will surely guide us, give us courage in standing strong for him, despite what society might tell us. Give us confidence in faithfully reading, teaching, and sharing His Word with our children, our friends, our families, and our neighbors, and to share the living gospel with those around us and immediately in front of us. That is why, that is why we can step out in faith. We have God's Word, but that's why it's so important to be embedded in it, because it gives us life and health and a purpose.